BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. In our long-form weekend podcast, Glenn runs down his legal recap stories of the week. He begins with the new reporting that a former Trump attorney told him that he would be breaking the law if he didn't comply with a subpoena in the classified documents case. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Welcome to the weekend edition of Justice Matters, my audio podcast. It is time to air out the legal issues of the past week. And I feel like we may need to do a speed round today because there were quite a few legal developments over the course of the past several days. Frankly, most of them were good. Uh, A couple of them were really good. And I want to start with one of the really good ones. I mean, this is, you know, probably about an 8, 8.5 on the legal Richter scale. I think in normal times it would be an 11 on the legal Richter scale because it involves one of Donald Trump's own lawyers providing sharply incriminating information about the crimes of Donald Trump, providing that information to special counsel Jack Smith, providing that information to the federal grand jury that investigated and indicted Donald Trump for his crimes. And this attorney will undoubtedly, will inevitably be providing this sharply incriminating evidence to the trial jury once Donald Trump is hauled into court and is finally made to account for his crimes. And I want to start by reading a little bit of the new reporting by the New York Times about this lawyer. Her name is Jennifer Little and the really damning evidence she provides against her former client, Donald Trump. This headline from the New York Times, lawyer told Trump defying documents subpoena would be a crime. And that article begins, not long after federal prosecutors issued a subpoena last year for all the classified documents that former President Donald Trump took with him from the White House to his estate in Southern Florida, One of his lawyers told him, in no uncertain terms, that it would be a crime if he did not comply with the demand, according to a person familiar with the matter. The lawyer, Jennifer Little, this year, related the account of her discussion with Trump to a grand jury overseen by special counsel Jack Smith. She, the lawyer, Jennifer Little, is one of several witnesses who prosecutors were told had advised Trump to cooperate. A few months after Ms. Little testified to the grand jury, special counsel Smith charged Trump with violating the subpoena for the documents and obstructing the government's repeated efforts 
to reclaim nearly three dozen classified documents that Trump removed from the White House. As part of her grand jury appearance, Ms. Little told prosecutors that the former president clearly understood her warning. Her sworn testimony that Mr. Trump was aware that disregarding the subpoena would be a criminal offense could serve as significant evidence of his consciousness of guilt if she ends up being called as a witness when the case eventually goes in front of a jury. Okay, friends. Significant evidence of Donald Trump's consciousness of guilt is a gross understatement. This will be devastating evidence of Donald Trump's guilt. His own lawyer, whom he retained, probably didn't pay, but whom he retained to give him legal advice, said, um, Trump, it would be a crime for you to violate the subpoena. The subpoena is essentially a court order directing that you return the classified documents that you wrongfully took when you left the presidency. And let me say it again, it would be a crime if you continued to withhold them. And what did Donald Trump do? He continued to withhold them. That was a crime. There was any number of crimes. It was obstruction of justice. So yes, to say this is significant evidence of Donald Trump's guilt is an understatement. It is conclusive evidence of Donald Trump's guilt. And this witness, Ms. Little, will be called to testify against Donald Trump. And let's pull back to 30,000 feet, friends, because I have been saying this over and over and over, right? I may not know much, but what I know is the strength and quality of evidence in a criminal case, because it was all I did for 30 years as a federal prosecutor, assess the strength, the quality, the credibility, the persuasiveness, the power, or lack thereof, of evidence in criminal cases. The evidence of Donald Trump's guilt is overwhelming. It is mountainous. It is conclusive. It is so far beyond proof, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, that when these cases are in trial, there will be nothing but smoking gun evidence presented to the jury day after day after day. It will be a veritable arsenal of smoking guns that will be paraded through the courtroom. And you know who those smoking guns will be wielded by? Republican witnesses. Donald Trump is done, done, done as soon as these cases move into trial proper. And the first one is scheduled to go to trial on March 4th in Washington, D.C., my backyard. I'll be in the courtroom watching. And once the evidence is presented to that D.C. jury, and ultimately evidence will be presented to a Georgia jury and a New York jury and a Florida jury. Donald Trump will be convicted so fast, it will make his head spin. And Donald Trump will not be the next president. I don't even think Donald Trump will end up being the Republican nominee, going out on a limb there, right? You know my betting limit, friends. One dollar, I'm not a high roller, I'm not a gambling man. One dollar is my betting limit. You know, I'm going to put 50 cents of that dollar on Donald Trump not 
being the Republican nominee. At some point, the Republican Party, of necessity, out of some sense of self-preservation, will have to walk away from Trump and choose somebody else as the Republican nominee. But Donald Trump will be convicted, and this attorney, his former attorney, Jennifer Little, will be yet another supposed Republican voice that will present deeply and sharply incriminating evidence to the jury that will help convict Donald Trump. Coming up next, new text messages from lawmakers about Trump's effort to overturn the 2020 election are coming to light. Glenn gives the details next on Justice Matters. Hi, Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I'm here to remind you about one of the best decisions I've made recently, getting Factor Meals. Eating is so much easier for me with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor is flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up today and save. I've done the math, and I can tell you Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved, nutritious, and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and start meeting your meal and nutrition goals. Head over to factormeals.com slash glen50 and use code glen50 to get 50% off. That's code glen50 at factormeals.com slash glen50 to get 50% off. Remember, go to factormeals.com slash G-L-E-N-N-5-0 and use code GLEN50 to get 50% off today. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Newly unsealed records are now providing more insight into Congressman Scott Perry's involvement in helping Trump to overthrow the 2020 election. Glenn says it's high time the Justice Department indicts him. Let's turn to Congressman Scott, pardon me, Perry, because this is also an important legal development. And let me just start with a couple of sentences of the new reporting, this from CNN, headline, Scott Perry's texts reveal details about efforts to overturn Trump's loss in 2020. As Representative Scott Perry was making clear, he wanted to contest Donald Trump's loss of the presidency in the 2020 election. His conversations with a Justice Department official took him inside the then president's management of the agency, DOJ. Perry's text messages 
revealed for the first time in court filings on Wednesday, included several communications in late December 2020 and early January 2021 with DOJ's Jeffrey Clark, a Trump appointee sympathetic to contesting the election as Trump considered installing Clark as attorney general. Perry texted Clark, quote, POTUS seems very happy with your response. I read it just as you dictated, according to court records. And then Jeffrey Clark responded, quote, I'm praying. This makes me quite nervous and wonder if I'm worthy or ready, close quote. And here's what Perry texted back in response, quote, you are the man. I have confirmed it, close quote. Perry wrote back late at night on December 30th, 2020, and then Perry added for good measure, quote, God does what he does for a reason, close quote. The messages represent the never-before-seen extent to which Perry and Clark discussed Clark's ascendance in Trump's sphere as the then-president sought ways to hold on to his elected office, sought ways to corruptly retain the power of the presidency, even though he had lost the election. Okay, let's just dig into a little bit of what we are seeing in these text messages between Scott, pardon me, Perry, and corrupt former DOJ official Jeffrey Clark. Now let's start with this. Corrupt former DOJ official Jeffrey Clark is one of Donald Trump's criminal associates co-conspirators. He's a charged co-defendant in the Georgia RICO case. So he was clearly part of Donald Trump's conspiracy to try to steal the presidency. And here is what this article conjures up for me, friends. I have a question for the Department of Justice. Why in the world isn't Scott, pardon me, Perry, indicted? as part of the conspiracy, because let's just look at some of the publicly available evidence of what Scott Perry did. Look at these text messages back and forth. POTUS seems very happy with your, Jeffrey Clark's response. I read it just as you dictated. And then Clark says, I'm praying. This makes me quite nervous and wonder if I'm worthy or ready. And then Perry responds, you the man. Okay, he says, you are the man. I have confirmed that God does what he does for a reason. First of all, why in the world do these people think God wants to overturn, corruptly overturn, criminally overturn the expressed will of the American voters and install a hateful, prejudiced, racist, xenophobic, misogynistic, orange blowhard? into the Oval Office for a second time, contrary to the vote? That was God's will? <sighs> but here is what those text messages represent. They are co-conspirator statements. It's all part of the conspiracy. Remember, Donald Trump is already a charged co-conspirator, as is Jeffrey Clark, and this makes clear this is additional evidence that makes clear Scott Perry is also a charter member of the Trump Conspiracy Club, working to install corrupt DOJ lawyer 
Jeffrey Clark as the acting attorney general so he could carry out Donald Trump's criminal scheme. Now remember, Scott, pardon me, Perry, had his phone seized by the FBI after a federal judge concluded crimes were committed and there would be evidence of those crimes in Scott, pardon me, Perry's cell phone. That's pretty damning. Then Scott, pardon me, Perry asked for a pardon. He wanted and needed a presidential pardon to get away with the crimes he committed on and around January 6th. The only reason you ask for a pardon is because you have a consciousness of guilt. You know you've committed crimes. You would like to get away with those crimes. Thank you very much. So I'll be needing a pardon for my crimes. And now you have text messages, co-conspirator statements, making him a marquee member of the Trump conspiracy to steal the election. DOJ, what more do you need? And this is only what's publicly available. I am quite sure there is so much more behind the scenes under wraps. You know, additional incriminating evidence that the general public is entirely unaware of. So, you know, DOJ, if you're listening, can you please, you know, take care of the insurrectionists in Congress who are still there trying to kill us from within if it's not too much trouble? Okay, let's move on to another story, another development in recent days, another good one. And it is down in Georgia in Donald Trump's RICO prosecution. And the top line of the story is, no plea offer for you, Trump, Rudy, Mark. And I don't know if I'm the only one who Every time I hear no plea offer for you, I think of the, <laughs> the Seinfeld episode with the soup Nazi. No soup for you. you know, no plea offer for you. Trump, Rudy, and Mark Meadows. No plea offer for you. Bravo, District Attorney Fonnie Willis. You know, I handled RICO cases in the courts of Washington, D.C., friends. And when it came to the kingpins, or the mob bosses. This wasn't a mafia RICO prosecution. It was against a violent crime gang that was running the drug traffic in all four quadrants of Washington, D.C. and killing dozens and dozens of people. But there were no plea offers extended to the, you know, figuratively speaking, mob bosses, to the kingpins, to the biggest criminal fish. You don't offer them, please. You don't offer to reduce their charges. You don't offer to cap their prison terms. You don't offer them any benefits. You know what you do? You take them to trial, you convict them, you imprison them for the rest of their lives, and you protect the community and vindicate the rights of the victims. So District Attorney Willis has got it exactly right when the news broke that there will be no plea offers for the biggest criminal fish in the RICO case. Donald Trump, who is the mob boss, he is the kingpin, he is the biggest criminal orange blowfish. 
his underboss, Mark Meadows, no plea offer for Mark. His consigliere, Rudy Giuliani, man, you would think he could find a better consigliere. His consigliere, Rudy Giuliani, no plea offer for you, Rudy. No, all three of you will be forced to go to trial in state court in Georgia. You'll be tried on those RICO charges and all of the other charges in the indictment. And yes, you will all be convicted. And yes, you will all be sentenced to prison. On the way, Donald Trump's gag order saga continues with an appellate court reinstating the one in New York. Glenn talks about this next on Justice Matters. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. A state appeals court in New York has reinstated a limited gag order barring Donald Trump in a civil fraud trial from making public comments about the court staff. Glenn says more people will get harassed unless his pretrial release is revoked. Okay, friends, let's turn to another legal story that broke over the past few days. And, you know, at first blush, it looks like it's a good news story. Looks like it's positive news on the legal front. But that's not really the way I see it. So let's do a little bit of a deeper dive on the story involving the New York gag order because just a few days ago, the appellate court in New York put the gag order back on Donald Trump. They lifted the pause or they lifted the stay that had been temporarily put in place. You know, the gag order had been put on hold while the appellate court tried to figure out what it was going to do with it. And the gag order is still on appeal. But the appellate court, after putting it on hold about two weeks ago, said, you know what, the appeal is going to take us some time to sort through. But with all of the threats that have poured in to Judge Engoron's law clerk, the dangerous, vile, often racist, threats, we can't in good conscience continue to pause this gag order. So we are putting it back in place while we take our time working through the appeal. Now, they didn't say all that. What they issued basically was a a one paragraph order saying we are lifting the temporary hold or the, the pause and we're putting Judge Ngoron's gag order back in place while the appeal continues to sort of work its way through the appellate court. But 
it seems pretty clear why they did it. Because when they put the pause in place, what happened? Donald Trump started attacking Judge Ngoron's clerk again. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vile threats came pouring in to Judge Ngoron's clerk's cell phone, to her email accounts, and threats were posted on social media. And there is a unit in New York called the Judicial Threat Assessment Unit that took point investigating these things. And obviously these investigations are ongoing and they assess that many, many of these Trump-inspired threats were legitimate threats, were credible threats, were concerning threats against Judge Ngoron's clerk. And what they did was they actually transcribed all of these threats. And the transcript of the threats that Donald Trump's supporters leveled against Judge Ngoron's clerk after Trump attacked her on social media and in his statements. They filled 275 pages, single-spaced, typewritten pages. That's what Donald Trump inspired. That's what Donald Trump directed in a very real sense. And you know, let me just add this as a footnote because Donald Trump's lawyers continue to maintain Donald Trump never directly threatened the clerk. Yeah, you can't hang your argument on that broken peg, Trump lawyers. You know why? Well, let's think about one of the most really unbelievable, unfathomable threats that have ever been issued by a U.S. president against his own vice president. Think about January 6th, friends. When Mike Pence wouldn't do Donald Trump's dirty bidding, criminal bidding on January 6th, what did Donald Trump say? It wasn't a threat, direct or otherwise. He simply tweeted out Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done inferentially to keep Donald Trump in power, contrary to the election's results. He didn't threaten Mike Pence. He simply said Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. And Donald Trump's foot soldiers who were mid-attack at the U.S. Capitol instantly erupted in chants of hang Mike Pence, and they hunted for Mike Pence. And Pence barely escaped their clutches. You've seen the video of it. So it is an absurd, it is a laughable position to take. Donald Trump never threatens anybody directly. No, he does it indirectly and intentionally and knowingly when he says, this is my enemy, whether it's Mike Pence or Judge Ngoron's law clerk. So supporters, you know what to do. And boy, do they know what to do. So yeah, the whole Donald Trump didn't directly threaten anyone, dog, don't hunt. But that's what Trump's lawyers keep falling back on. It's all they can come up with.
And you know, when I attended the oral argument in D.C. on the D.C. gag order that Judge Chutkin put in place, Judge Millett dispensed with that argument pretty quickly when Trump's lawyer said, well, Judge, he doesn't directly threaten anybody. Judge Millett said, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a clearly established pattern here. Trump posts something about a witness and witness threats follow. So don't give me that. I added the last part. Judge Millett didn't say, don't give me that, but that sure is what she communicated. So let's now go back to the original point that this seems like a good news story because the gag order was put back in place, but that's not how I read it. And here's why. It's wonderful. It's wonderful that there is this gag order that is extraordinarily limited in its scope because the gag order simply says you can't post or say anything about Judge Engoron's staff. But you can say dangerous things about everyone else on the planet who is your perceived enemy, everyone else who is involved in the endeavor of trying to hold you accountable for your crimes and your fraud. You can say anything you want about Judge Engoron himself. You can say anything you want about the judge's family. And in fact, Donald Trump just lied and posted something about the judge's wife, obviously now putting her in danger. You can say whatever you want about Letitia James and her entire team, her staff, the folks who are trying to hold you accountable for your fraud. You can say anything you want about all the witnesses who are involved in any way in the process of trying to hold you accountable for your crimes and your fraud. You can say anything you want. You can endanger the lives of all of these people with your speech and your posts. Just not Judge Ngoron's staff. Well, it would be nice if we cared about the safety of everyone else as much as the system seems to care about Judge Ngoron's staff. And I'm not saying the system shouldn't care about the judge's law clerk, but the system should care about the safety of everyone else whose lives Trump endangers. And I know you've heard me say this before, but I'm gonna say it again, and I'm gonna say it again, and I'm gonna say it again, friends, until somehow someone prods the rule of law into wakefulness such that it rises up and is applied to Donald Trump in the way it's applied to every other human being on the planet, every other human being in America, every other human being who comes in contact with the criminal justice system. All of the gag orders in the world will not stop Donald Trump from endangering the lives of his perceived enemies, endangering the lives of the people who are endeavoring to hold him accountable for his wrongdoing. Gag orders won't do it. You know what will do it? Applying the rule of law as it is intended to be applied to somebody who is on pretrial release in a felony case who is endangering the victims and the participants in the criminal justice system. They would be detained pending trial. The law provides that if you are a defendant pending a felony trial and there's clear and convincing evidence that you are a danger, that you pose a danger to even one person in the community, even one, you are to be detained pending trial. That's the law and the procedure. And there are people sitting in pretrial detention 
in virtually every jurisdiction across the United States who are there because they're charged with one or more felonies and there's clear and convincing evidence that they pose a danger to even one person in the community. Donald Trump is the most dangerous pretrial defendant in the United States of America. He presents the most far-reaching, the broadest danger to the most people, indeed to our entire society, to the viability of our democracy, more so than any other pretrial defendant. And frankly, it's a slap in the face of every other pretrial defendant who has been found to pose a danger to even one person in the community such that they are ordered into pretrial detention. It's a slap in the face. It is such an obvious violation of the equal application of our laws. And I can't say it as well as Judge Tanya Chutkin said it. When I was sitting in her courtroom at a recent status hearing, she said, if any other pretrial defendant said that the prosecutor handling his case is a deranged thug, that person would be in pretrial detention. Begs the question, why is Donald Trump not in pretrial detention? And here is what drives this old prosecutor crazy. The considerations that have gone into the decision not to put him in pretrial detention have absolutely nothing to do with the facts or the law. They are extraneous considerations. He's a former president. He's a candidate for president. Some of his supporters might be angry and might even lash out, might even get violent. So we're going to take all these extraneous factors into account and we're going to let the extraneous factors control our pretrial detention decision rather than have the facts and the law control our pretrial detention decision. That is dead wrong. And if we keep it up, we're doing nothing more than slouching toward the end of our republic. Coming up after the break, is Donald Trump immune from all prosecution for things he did while he was president? Glenn discusses this next on Justice Matters. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. 
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. A federal appeals court has determined that Donald Trump isn't immune from civil lawsuits related to the January 6th attack at the Capitol. Glenn says this is a bellwether of what will happen in other court cases. Okay, friends, that was a lot of gloom and doom. And listen, we can't ignore the gloom and doom because, you know, if we do, it'll sneak up and smother us in our sleep. But I want to end with a good news story. And this is one that literally just broke as I was recording today's episode. It has to do with a lawsuit that was brought about a year ago. This issue has been kicking around now for well over a year. And it was brought by some of the police officers who were injured at the Capitol on January 6th and a handful of members of Congress who suffered the consequences of Donald Trump's attack on the Capitol on January 6th. And the case was argued about a year ago, and it's been sitting in the bowels of the appellate court in Washington, D.C., and everybody has been wondering what in the world happened to this civil suit that was brought against Donald Trump. And the whole question really boils down to, can these people sue Donald Trump in a civil case, this is separate and apart from the criminal prosecution, for his attack on the Capitol on January 6th? Because when it comes to trying to bring a civil suit, a lawsuit against a high government official, a president, in this example, there's lots and lots and lots of immunity that applies. And it can be very difficult to sue a government official because if they're acting within the scope of their official governmental duties, they're immune from civil suits, which makes some sense. Because what you don't want is good government officials making difficult decisions. And some people, you know, are inevitably going to be unhappy with those decisions. And if those people could forever sue our government officials who were trying to do the right thing, exercising sort of judgment and acting within the scope of their official duties, even if their decisions make somebody unhappy, if they were forever spending time in court defending against civil suits, it would basically bring the government to a screeching halt. So there is a healthy dose of immunity that our high government officials enjoy. Well, finally, finally, literally just moments ago this was reported, the appellate court in D.C. unanimously said that Trump can be sued. He can be held civilly liable for the January 6th riot. The reason that's so important, that ruling by the appellate court is so important, is because Donald Trump's lawyers have also maintained he's absolutely immune from criminal prosecution, not just a civil lawsuit being brought against him, but he can't even be prosecuted for crimes he committed while he was in office. Now, mind you, friends, there's no law that stands for that proposition. There's no precedent, no appellate court has ever said it. There's no constitutional provision that supports this absurd claim by Trump's lawyers that he's absolutely immune from criminal prosecution, but they said it anyway. And of course, they pointed to the civil law. They said, well, you know, he's got some immunity from civil suit. Yeah, but guess what, 
folks, that's different from being prosecuted criminally. So you don't have any support. You can't just wholesale import the immunity that he might enjoy in a civil lawsuit and apply it to a criminal prosecution. Doesn't work that way. You need some law, you need some precedent, you need some constitutional support for your ridiculous absolute immunity argument. But, you know, everybody has been waiting to see if he's going to be immune from a civil lawsuit for ordering the Capitol attack on January 6th. And the court just answered that question, no, he is not immune. He can be civilly sued for the attack on the Capitol that he, you know, let's, let's face it, he orchestrated it, he inspired it, he incited it, he directed it, he ordered it, he refused to call it off, and then he said, we love you very much for doing it, I'll give you some pardons if you reelect me. But the fact that the appellate court in D.C. has now unanimously said, yes, he can be sued, no, he doesn't have immunity from a civil lawsuit for the January 6th attack, completely kills any little lingering argument that Trump's attorneys may have had that he is immune from criminal prosecution. Heck, he's not even immune from civil liability, never mind criminal prosecution. So this is a good development. Yes, it will be appealed, but I just want to read you a couple of paragraphs that just popped up on my news alert. This is from the Washington Post, and this will summarize what we just heard from the D.C. Appellate Court. The headline is, Trump can be held civilly liable in January 6th riot. Judges rule. Donald Trump can be held civilly liable for the actions of the mob that attacked the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. An appeals court ruled Friday in a long-awaited decision that could clear the way for lawsuits seeking financial damages from the former president. The unanimous decision by a federal appeals court in Washington is expected to be appealed and also offers insight into how the court could view Trump's argument that presidential immunity also protects him from being charged criminally for his efforts to stay in power after the 2020 election. Two U.S. Capitol Police officers and about a dozen Democratic lawmakers sued Trump in 2021, saying he potentially instigated violence on January 6th by telling supporters the election was stolen and urging them to march to the Capitol and fight like hell. The plaintiffs sued under a roughly 150-year-old law that bars the use of force, threats, or intimidation to prevent government officials from carrying out their duties and allows anyone injured by such actions to collect damages. They argued Trump violated the statute designed to combat Ku Klux Klan violence after the Civil War by conspiring with members of far-right groups to keep lawmakers from confirming Joe Biden's election win. So friends, <laughs> this is not only a good news story, it is great precedent, even if only what we'll call persuasive authority. It's not direct precedent, but it's pretty dang important because this is the appellate court, the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals for D.C., that will also be taking up the absolute immunity from criminal prosecution claim 
that Trump's lawyers are making. And goodness knows, if they've already ruled that you can be civilly sued for what you did, you don't even have the immunity that generally does apply to high government officials when they're acting within the scope of their official duties, then you certainly are not going to have any shred of immunity when you are criminally charged for the crimes you committed while president. So yes, this is good news. And good news seems to be a good place to stop for today. So friends, thank you for spending some time with me on my weekend edition of Justice Matters. If you want to find me during the week, you can find me wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. If you want to get a hold of my audio podcasts, you can also go over to my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner, where I put up a daily legal analysis video every day. If you do make it over to my YouTube channel, can I respectfully ask you to hit subscribe? It's always free and it helps when folks choose to subscribe to my channel. And you can find me on other social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I'm under Glenn Kirshner 2, my name in the number 2. And if you're really interested in our mission, if you're really interested in what Team Justice does all day every day to try to fight for the rule of law, fight for a better democracy for our kids, for our grandkids, you can come on over to patreon.com. You can sign up to become a patron. And if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks, and you'll get all kinds of behind-the-scenes glimpses of what it is that we do here all day, every day, seven days a week at Justice Matters, which is an all-volunteer effort. So if you're interested in supporting our efforts, our mission, our content, please feel free to come on over to patreon.com and sign up to become a patron. And friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.